Hey, Rockstar, it's Christina here. Do you want to feel more confident and have more influence when speaking with others? If so, join my free Small Talk Made Simple class. In this 10-day email course, you'll learn how to clearly communicate your value, have great conversations, and create stronger relationships. Sign up now. It's totally free at thecmethod.com. Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hey there, rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed. Christina with you here for episode 169. I literally flew in last night from uh, Beijing where Aaron and I came back from an epic six-week trip overseas and we we just finished a a two-day, it was about two-day trek from Madrid to Rome, Rome to Beijing, Beijing to Melbourne. But we're feeling pretty good actually, had some good sleeps on the plane. Anyway, if you've been listening to the show for the last few weeks, you'll know that um, we have been traveling. I've been podcasting you from various countries and Upon coming home and reflecting on the trip, you know, we've, we've, we learned many things on this trip and I wanted to share some of those lessons with you today, along with some stories, some of them funny, some of them a little bit uh, frustrating, but it's all part of traveling. And some of these lessons may be a bit off the normal topics of workplace communication and, and speaking. Some of them are a little bit more to do with travel, but they do relate back to everyday life. So um, I'm confident that you will still find them thought-provoking and useful as you go about your day today. The first thing, the first lesson I want to share with you is to be aware of your blind spots. Now, we spent a month in Rome. We were living there uh, working and and playing, eating gelati, all that sort of thing that you do in Rome, and um, really enjoyed it. it. Was The weather was amazing. And we went down to this local restaurant uh, right near us, and we ordered pasta. We were very excited about eating pasta in Rome, and... Uh, we we our spaghetti came out, and I was also on my phone looking at Google Translate. We were trying to learn some Italian phrases, and we were there. We were practicing with each other, speaking Italian very badly, and asking each other, "Okay, what? How do we say this? How do we say that?" And and trying to learn. And as we were there, our pasta came out, and Aaron he picked up his fork and then he looked for his spoon. And he was like, why is there no spoon here? Like, I need a spoon to eat my pasta. Maybe we should ask them for a spoon. How do we say spoon in Italian? So I'm like Googling how to say spoon. And then the lady next to us who was eating a pizza, she leans over and she says, excuse me, would you like some help? And I said, oh, yeah, we, yeah I'd like some help. How do you say, how do you say spoon in, in Italian? And she said, no, no, I mean, do you need some help with eating your pasta properly? And we were like, um, excuse me, what do you mean? And she said, in Italy, we don't use a spoon to eat pasta. That's how the French do it. And she said this with a slight wrinkle of her nose. And we were like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And she, said, she proceeded to show us how to eat your pasta like a true Italian. She said, you put the fork in um, at an angle and then you turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it until all the strands are on the fork and then you pick it up and then you eat it. You do not need to use a spoon. 
Now, the lesson from this story and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because it really demonstrated to us that we all have blind spots that we are not aware of. We didn't even realise what we were doing wrong and what we didn't know. Clearly, we were two clueless foreigners and we were very lucky that um, this lady next to us was kind enough to help us look less loserish as we were eating our pasta. Now, oftentimes in the workplace, we have we have things that we know that we're not good at, right? So they're the things we can see. But then there's also things that we aren't aware that we don't know. So we don't know that we don't know them. And this is what we call blind spots. And being, becoming aware of these is really important. So if you can ask people at work, you know, what is it that I'm, I may not be aware of that I'm doing and being open to that feedback, that's a really good way for you to um, improve with your skills and to develop in areas that you may not have been aware of. You know, in this case, with the past, eating the pasta, we were we were open to accepting that feedback, even though we didn't realize that it was something we were doing wrong. But it taught us a really great lesson for the next time. So we knew how to eat our pasta, and we weren't doing it as the French did it, which is apparently uh, the wrong way, according to the Italians. So, to be aware of your blind spots, ask people who know you well, ask them for feedback and be open to receiving feedback around areas that you may not have realized that you needed to improve on. All right. The second thing I want to share with you is around telling yourself a new story. Now, we um, we spent the last 12 days of our trip in Spain and we flew down to Sevilla, which is in southern Spain, and it was beautiful there. And we hired a car because we wanted to do a bit of driving around and um, there was parking. Now, the interesting thing about driving a car overseas is that you aren't familiar with all the parking um, requirements, the the, the whether you need to pay or whether you're allowed to, and especially all the signs are in another language. And when you're um, really terrified like me of getting a parking ticket, it can be a little um, stressful. But there was parking outside our apartment in Seville, which didn't seem to be paid or anything. There was no signage. And we thought, this is fantastic. We can park here. So I went out and um, I parked the car and Aaron, Aaron was inside. And as I was locking up, a guy comes up to me and he starts indicating to my car. He didn't speak much English at all. He starts sort of gesturing towards the car and telling me in so many words that I needed to, to pay for the parking. It wasn't free. And I said, oh, I wasn't, I didn't realize that I had to pay. Um, okay. Um, how much? You know, quanta costa. And excuse my poor Spanish. Quanta costa. And he, and he said, oh, uno euro. And I was like, one euro for, I was like, for how, how long? Like how? And he goes, oh, for the day, one day. And I thought that's a bit odd, like one euro for a whole day. Like that seems a bit cheap to me. And I thought, why is this guy asking me for, for, for money? Like he doesn't look like a an official um, parking inspector or someone who would collect money. And he sort of, and I didn't, I actually didn't have any coins on me. I said, I, I don't have any coins. Can I come back? And he sort of gestured towards a nearby cafe and I, and I took that to mean, oh, he is from that cafe or something like that. Anyway, I said, okay, I'll come back, I'll come back. And so I left. Anyway, in my head, I was thinking, so I went up and st- I went up into the apartment and I said to Aaron, I said, there's a guy outside who wants me to pay him for parking. I think, and for some reason, 
because Aaron asked me, who is he? Why does he want money? And in some reason, my brain made up a story where I, where I thought, you know what? I'm pretty sure he runs the cafe that's near, that's right near where the parking spot was. And he must like own these few parking spots, like just outside the cafe and needs to collect money. And Aaron said, how do you even know that? How, how do you even know that he owns the cafe? And why would a cafe owner own the parking spots outside the front when there's no signage there? And what, what was happening was my brain was just making up all these stories. And this is something that I've realized that when something doesn't make sense to us, our brains just come up with a story, some sort of story to make it somehow fit in with our worldview, to fit in with what we, with what we knew, with what we know. And then of course my mind started going all crazy and stressing me out because I started to think, oh no, what if he thought that I'm not coming back to pay him? Maybe he's going to get angry. Maybe he's going to key the car. Oh, then we're going to have to make a claim and, and, and pay for it. Oh my God. And my brain just started to make up all these crazy stories. When in reality, I mean, Aaron said to me, could it be that he's just some guy who's trying to make some extra cash off unsuspecting tourists in the area and he's just trying his best to just get a euro from you. And I thought, well, that could also be true. In fact, it's most likely to be true because we have seen other random guys in free parking spots trying to get money for, for just simply directing you to an empty spot, which is something you could do yourself, but they seem to think they're useful. Um, and, I, and when Aaron said to that, that to me, I thought, you know what, that probably is true. But you know what, this happens in so many instances in our lives, both at work and, you know, in our general conversations, you know, things happen, our external circumstances, you know, something happens and we try to make a meaning, mean, we try to add meaning to it through creating a story. For example, you know, someone might say something to us or doesn't call us back or doesn't behave in the way we, we expect them to. And our minds go crazy trying to figure it out oh, maybe she doesn't like me. Did I say something wrong? Did I offend them? What happened? Oh, maybe I'm not in, they don't want me here anymore. And we start to make up these stories. Like if, when we're speaking to an audience, oh no, they think I'm boring. That guy just looked at his phone. He mustn't be interested. Oh, he's probably texting his his colleagues about how terrible I am. Oh no, this person. And, and we just make up these stories in our heads when really we have no idea whether or not it's actually true. So in these instances, you just have to let it go and, and even come up with some alternative stories to what is happening. So for example, you see someone looking at their phone in your presentation. One story you might tell yourself is he's bored or another story could be I'm not interesting or what I have to say isn't interesting. Those are all negative stories. Other stories could be well, maybe this guy's mother is sick in hospital and he has to check his phone um, because it's a real emergency. That's also a perfectly legitimate story that could also be as true as him not being interested. All of those things. So if you find yourself getting worked up and making up a crazy story in your head, try to come up with some alternatives and tell yourself that, you know what, they could just as easily just as easily have been has been true as the negative story you were telling yourself. Okay, the next thing I want to share with you 
is to <laughs> do, I've got written here do as the Romans do, which you know we've all heard this saying. But I want to relate it back to siestas in Spain. Now, if you haven't heard of a siesta, it's it's um, the name given to an afternoon nap or a break um, in the day that is traditional in Spain, specifically southern Spain. And we discovered we discovered that siestas are a very real thing in in a uh, in a sort of very bad way um, on our first day in siesta. So we so a first day in Seville. So we arrived in Seville. And on the first day, we thought, oh, you know, we'll sleep in. So we slept in, we woke up, we did a few um, a few hours work at our Airbnb. And then in the afternoon, we thought, yeah, okay, we're going to go out for a nice casual walk. So we left at about 3 p.m. and we casually meandered through the beautiful gardens on the way to um, Sevilla, stopped off, visited the, the palace. It was really nice. And then we got to the um, the city at about quarter past four and Nothing, literally nothing was open. It was like a ghost town. And we had deliberately not eaten food at home because we were like, oh, we'll go out, we'll go to a bakery, we'll get a coffee, we'll get some nice food. And there was nothing open except for some really expensive touristy places that were had a handful of rather um, sun-beaten and sun-beaten-looking tourists sitting there trying to cool down with, with a cold beer. And one from wandering around for those few hours, we realised, and I went and Googled it, that everything shuts from about 4pm, well, all the restaurants shut from 4 till about 8.30 or 9, and all the shops close from about 1.30 or 2 to about 6 or longer. They sort of do whatever they want over there. And that going out in the afternoon was quite possibly the worst thing we could have done. So the next day, we had to make a really concerted effort to get up early and to make sure we were out and about before the shops closed. And in fact, what we did was we hired a car and we went to a water park as soon as siesta hit. So as soon as it hit 4pm and everything shut, we jumped in the car and went to a theme park and hung out, um, you know, in the pools and went on the water slides. So that's that's a, a little travel hack for you. Theme park, water park, good siesta option. Now, the lesson that I that I took that we took from this and that I wanted to share with you is that when the culture of an environment or a place or a company is so strong and so deeply rooted you can't fight it right we were like no we want to go out we want to see things we want to do things but it was just impossible for us to do anything because everything was closed and I know that well I've heard that um it's not you know, having this, having, you know, a whole part of a country to just stop work for a good part of the regular working day, it's not good for the economy, right? But they don't care. That's their culture. And they're so deeply rooted in that, they're not going to change anytime soon. So yes, it is important to be an individual and to do your own thing, of course. But sometimes if the environment that you're in, if that culture is so strong, you can't fight it and it's like swimming against the tide. And to make the most of it and to act, to get the most out of it, you actually just have to go along with it and start. And in our case, we had to live by Spanish time. So we had to get up early, we had to go take a break in the afternoon and then go, f- um, and then go for dinner late because the restaurants don't open till way later. So if you're finding that 
you know, if the company that you're working in has a particular culture and you want to make the most out of your time there, then you are going to, to a degree, go along with it. And if the culture is something that you don't agree with, if it really doesn't work for you, then you might need to reconsider your place in that company in the first instance. That's why it's so important to find a company or or work in a team where it has a culture that fits in with your values and your, your ethics and so on. Okay. So that was, that was a lesson from that, that I wanted to, um, that I wanted to share. And how much time do we have? All right. I've got, I think we've got time for one more, one more lesson. Cause look, we had so many stories, so many things. Firstly. Okay. All right. Finally, this is the final one. It's about letting go. Now, we look, when you travel, there are so many unknowns, so many. And all the things that we do in our day-to-day life, we take for granted because it's, it's known. Like we know um, how to drive to work. We know, we know that route. We know what we're going to have for breakfast. We know what time the shops open and close. We know who our friends are and who to call in what situation. Um, we know we we can use internet easily like all of these things we just know um and when you go traveling all of that just goes out the window something as simple as how do i get to the center of town how do i um you know do i have to pay for parking how do i order food when can i order food where like what time does the restaurant open um you know perfect example about everything closing so everything is an unknown. And so, and when, it, and when that happens, the chances of you messing up are very high. Okay. The chances of you messing up and failing are very high. And something that we had to work on was being able to let go when things just went wrong. Um, we, we had some issues booking a car in Rome. We'd um, ordered the car online, booked it, paid for the deposit. We're really excited. We had to pick it up from the airport. So we had to pay like eight euros each just to get out to the airport. We line up for 45 minutes at, um, I can't remember who the company was. I think it was Gold Car. And um, went up, went up, got up to the, um, to the, to the desk and said, yep, we've got a reservation. They said, okay, can I have your credit card, please? And we gave him a credit card. And the lady looked at me and said, no, this is a debit card. I said, well, it's a visa. Like, it's a visa. We use it as a credit card. She said, no, no, it's a visa debit card. We, we only accept credit cards. And Aaron and I, we deliberately got rid of all our credit cards because we just didn't want to use them anymore. We use visa debit for everything, and it has worked perfectly every time. But not in this instance. She said, no, no. We can't, we can't accept this if you don't have a, a, a credit card. And we said, oh, please, please, can you just make an exception for us? Can you please? And she started, she played around. She's like, okay, we'll see what we can do. And she said, all right, I need your international driver's permit. And we looked at each other and went, um, what do you mean an international driver's permit? We didn't realise that we needed one. She said, all non-European residents need to have an international driver's permit. And she indicated to another Australian who happened to be standing next to us and she said, look, he's got one, like he was like a perfect student or something. I'm like, great, well, that doesn't help us, does it? And we had thought that we had 
researched this and found out, but turns out you did need the international driver's permit. She said to us very firmly, look, I can make an exception for one thing, but for two of these things, I just can't. I can't give you the car. Oh, so we um, felt very sorry for ourselves and we wandered off and weren't sure of what to do. But we had to stay calm in this situation and I turned to my trusty friend, Google, and I went online and searched for uh, renting a car without a credit card. And up popped a company called Indigo and they do debit card car rentals. So what we were able to do, so we called them up and said, hey, this is the situation, what can you do for us? And they are a third party, so they booked the car, I think it was through Europe Car for us, at the same place at the airport. They put it through so we were able to book it with our debit card and we needed all we needed was that passport. We didn't need the international licence as well. And that was so helpful. So that was a win for us. And then other things happen like, we found out that we couldn't get an automatic car and that we'd have to drive a stick. And then we went up to the desk and said, and then we had to, um, they were able to upgrade us for some more money. And then when we went to get the car, it was the wrong car. And all these things, it was just piling on top and on top and on top. And they sent us back to another desk and then to another desk. And we were about to blow our tops. Like we were very, very frustrated. But we had to just let it go. And I must say, I've got to admit that I am slightly better at this than Aaron is. Um, although I don't know if he'd like hearing me say that. Um, so I sort of had to calm him down and be like, look, we need to let this thing go. And it shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have been that hard. But like I said, when you're in a foreign country and they do things differently, you just, there are so, the, the, the things that can go wrong are amplified and you just, um, have to be able to let it go when things fail. So we lost a bit of money on that day um, just through the extra payments and losing our deposit. We lost time because it took us about four hours to get a car. So we didn't have as much time as we could to to use it and to travel. Um, it was stressful because the only automatic car they had was a giant car, which is very hard to drive in Europe when the roads are very tiny and the car parks are very tiny. So that in itself was difficult to deal with. Um, also letting go the desire to get it right all the time. When you speak another language, when you're attempting to converse with people in another country, chances are they're not going to understand what you say. You're going to try to speak their language and they don't get it because you've pronounced it very terribly. Or if you're in Barcelona and you're trying to speak Spanish, turns out that they speak Catalan, which is a completely different language. And failing over and over again in that way and just getting it wrong all the time, um, you just have to let that go as well. We, um, we got a bus when we arrived in Barcelona. We got on a bus from the airport and um, I had it on, my, on Google Maps and we arrived at one stop and I looked up and I saw the stop name and I said to Aaron, oh, my God, this is our stop. We have to get off now. And we jumped off the bus only to realise that the stop that I'd seen were, that I thought was the stop was actually the destination at the very end, which is where we wanted to go. And we'd actually got off the bus about halfway along our journey. And then from there we had to wait for another bus and, again, just letting go, taking a deep breath and letting go of the need to get it right. So messing up, failing 
it's going to happen. It happens more when you travel, but even in your day-to-day life, when you get something wrong or when you mess up, when you fail, you just take a deep breath and you just let it go and just be grateful that you are safe, that you are healthy and that it's not a disaster and that you you can um, get it resolved. Okay. And like in the instance with the, with the, the rental car company, if you just sit down and go, okay, how else can we go about doing this? Is there another option? Let's figure this out. Instead of throwing your hands up and going, it's useless. There's no point. If this is a failure, I can't, I'm not doing anything. Believe me, there will always be another option. Okay, so those are the lessons that I wanted to share with you. Those are just some of the stories from our six weeks abroad. We have many others, of course, and I think I will. I might start to blog about them actually on my personal blog, um, which I don't talk about here. Um, I haven't blogged there for a while, but I might get back into it. It's at christinacanters.com if you're interested. And I share stories about, you know, life things, um, travel, things that don't relate back to uh, communication, speaking, confidence as they do on this podcast. But I hope that you learned something from this episode and um, and that you can take them with you as you go into your, you know, your daily routines. Maybe you're going away traveling and hopefully this will help to prepare you a little bit more for all of those unknowns. Anyway, I will be back next week with Um, another episode for you. Do take care and uh, keep on being awesome. Thank you for spending some time with me today. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Thank you for listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed. To learn more and inquire about the C-Method coaching, keynote and corporate training programs, visit thecmethod.com. 